0: Food Heals Podcast, episode 233.
1: If you're trying to resist or avoid your cravings so that you don't give in, like so you don't cave in and eat them, you are guaranteeing that you will not get to the root of the problem. The only way that you can master cravings is to actually dive straight into them and actually indulge them, just like you have to stand up to a bully in order to change that interaction so that you can walk in whatever direction you want to go without having fear. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and in stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.
0: All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. I'm Allison Melody coming at you with a special bonus weekend episode, and it's actually my birthday this weekend, but I have a gift for you, Food Heals Nation. This is the episode you've been waiting for. This is what I've been teasing in our Facebook group. This is the episode where I share with you how I finally cut sugar, got rid of my dessert cravings, and quit my addiction. So my birthday present to myself is that I've curbed this addiction, I've gotten rid of it, and my present to you is exactly how I did it. And I didn't do it alone. I did have help from today's guest, David Zapazzotti. David has been a health professional for over 22 years. He's the author of the number one international bestseller, Immovable Heart unstoppable mind. He's the creator of the Empowered Health Now program, which helps people drastically and completely transform their lives. The people that join his programs lose all their extra weight and are never the same again. He's also an inspirational speaker and a regular guest on various wellness podcasts and TV news stations. And I want to give a quick shout out to Josh Trent of Wellness Force because I first heard David on his show. Josh has an amazing show, I've been on his show. Wellness Force is a phenomenal show. We're going to have Josh on in 2019, and I'm grateful that he introduced me to David. And David's mission and his focus is to help you have a breakthrough in your life. He helped me. I know he can help you, Food Heals Nation, and I know you're going to love this interview with David. But first, if you're not exhausted from Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday deals, and you're still looking for some holistic holiday gifts, look no further than our Food Heals Holiday Gift Guide. We've got all sorts of discount codes for you on some of our favorite organic vegan products and services on brands like Banish Skincare, Teamy Blends, Addictive Wellness Chocolate, and so much more. Get your guide for free at foodhealsnation.com slash gift guide. And for my birthday, I have one more gift for you, Food Heals Nation, but you'll have to stay tuned to the end of this interview to find out exactly what it is. Next up, my interview with David. The
2: Food Heals Podcast starts now.
0: He's a health professional, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and helps people lose weight and transform their lives. And he is the person who personally helped me kick my sugar habit. Please welcome today's guest, David Zappizzotti.
1: Thank you so much for having me, both of you, Allison and Susie.
0: Hi, David. Nice to have you.
1: Hi. It's great to be here.
0: Yes. So this is the episode you have been waiting for Food Heals Nation. I have been teasing it in the Facebook group. Every time someone talks about having a sugar addiction, we were talking about, you know, how to stay away from Halloween candy recently, all that good stuff. And I said, I've got something coming, but I wasn't ready to share it until I had mastered it. I am here with David. He is my coach. He is the person who helped me give up my dessert addiction. He helps us flip our brains David for anyone who doesn't know tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: Sure so I've been a health and wellness professional for a little over 22 years maybe about 23 years and I've specialized pretty much in weight loss the entire time You know I have a lot of different things I mean I'm an international best-selling author I've worked with a lot of people but I think that for me personally what what I find to be the most valuable about myself in terms of my own strengths is that I've always had a very strong desire to want to know the truth since the very beginning of my career like the first moment I stepped foot in this industry I had a desire to change the weight loss paradigm because it wasn't working you know people that have cravings weren't getting over them they're overeating like all this discipline and restriction and using willpower and beating yourself up like the bottom line is that of all the people who try to lose weight every year less than three percent actually succeed and keep it off long term so this is a ridiculously low success rate and so this is what drove me from the very beginning to like always be looking for the truth so I wasn't looking to follow the the common weight loss approaches I was looking to challenge them 22 years ago and this is where I've I've ended up now I'm doing what I'm doing
0: And your methods are different than anything that we've personally talked about on this podcast and different from anything I had personally ever heard of before. So how did you come to figure out this process? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: That's actually sort of difficult because it it was a sort of a slow cultivation over a couple decades, really. You know, at a certain point, I just realized that cravings are like bullies, So, like, if a kid is being bullied in school, right, and they're afraid, they have fear, they're scared, like, all this kind of stuff, the normal inclination is to avoid the bully, right, to take a different route to school, like, do whatever they can to avoid going down and and confronting that bully. The problem with that is that they might be able to avoid a confrontation, but they're always living in fear, you know, like they don't really have freedom. Yeah. And so cravings are like that. Cravings are the same thing. When when people try to, I, I tell people this when they first join my program and it's always surprising, but what I tell them is that if you are avoiding, like if you're trying to resist or avoid your cravings so that you don't give in, like so you don't cave in and eat them, you are guaranteeing that you will not get to the root of the problem. The only way that you can master cravings is to actually dive straight into them and actually indulge them just like you have to stand up to a bully in order to change that interaction so that you can walk in whatever direction you want to go without having fear.
0: Yes, and so this is what we do, this is what you helped me do is face the craving. So normal, conventional wisdom and advice says, you know, willpower, stay away from that addiction, whatever it may be. For me, it was sugary dessert. And you helped me face that head on so I could have a brain flip. So take us through that process. Like what do we do to get started and to create the brain flip? And what is a brain flip?
1: Okay, so a brain flip is basically, it's it's what I call a reprogramming of your sensory brain. So basically like it's a reprogramming or a rewiring of your brain that occurs while you're actually eating. You're eating the food in a way that actually rewires your brain while you're eating it. So that you can become free of it. So just to give you an idea, and Allison, you already know this from being in my program, but I always start people off by stop. I tell them to stop exercise and I tell them to go out and get the junk foods or sweets that they have the strongest cravings for because if they can do it i have them eat it several times a day if they're busy like i know that a lot of times when i was working with you you were busy you had a lot of interviews podcasting and stuff and different things your retreats st- stuff like that so sometimes we could only eat the junk food one time a day mm-hmm. but basically what i do is i have you do it in a way that reprograms your brain while you're doing it so that you can become free and then when that freedom occurs something changes in you like there's a shift where you know that you're free. And then I take that freedom and I help people to reprogram actually overeating next. If they have issues with overeating, after overeating brain flips, that's my favorite one, actually. Tell us why. Well, most of my clients, I work with like the most difficult cases in in weight loss. Okay. Like people that typically have a hundred to 200 pounds to lose, Obviously, Allison is not that my typical client, but that's who I typically work with.
0: But I still had an addiction. And so you were willing to work with me for that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You had the addiction you and you. it was painful for you, but it was painful in a different way than most people. For mm-hmm. you, you're very driven. You're very ambitious and you, you're very success oriented and you are successful. So I admire that about you. I, I, I'm honored to be working with you in that capacity. But the cravings that you have are still painful, just like someone who's 100, 200 pounds. It doesn't matter. you know. So my typical client though has a lot of weight to lose. And so they have cravings, they have overeating, and then they usually don't like exercise. So if they don't like exercise, I'm like, I I want you to stop exercising. There's no point in doing something you don't want to do while we're working on these other struggles. We're going to brain flip these and then we'll come back to exercise. So with cravings, first we're doing that, we're helping them to become free of cravings. Typically, it happens in about six to 10 days to go through a cravings brain flip. All right. Mm -hmm. Then, and after that occurs, they have a more centered awareness. Like So, the root of cravings is that they're sort of like a stimulating distraction. We have stress that comes up in our life and we deal with it, by becoming distracted by some kind of food, like some kind of food that tastes good, that like fills us up in a certain way, and distracts us from the issues that we're dealing with, you, it's we've avoided. all heard that- Exactly. We've all heard the common um, example of like a a girl, like it's her boyfriend breaks up with her and then she calls her girlfriends over and they're all eating ice cream. She feels bad, you know, like the Uh ice cream is a stimulating thing to distract from the pain of that breakup. That's a, a dramatic result. But that's sort of like what we do on a day to day basis in little chunks, you know, like in little episodes. So that's what a craving is. It's a stimulating distraction. So, when we brain flip it and you become free, you deal with stress in the opposite way. So, instead of dealing with stimulating, it's it's centering, and instead of it being a distraction, it's awareness. It's a centering awareness. We take that centering awareness, and we do use that to brain flip overeating. Now, Susie, you are asking me why that's my favorite one. That's my favorite one because most people that I work with that are like 100 to 200 pounds overweight, Within five to seven days, they're eating about a half to a third of what they were eating before. Mm-hmm. But they're not like, it's not in any way like it used to be. Like, they're not doing that in a restrictive way. Right. They're like, after I take them what they go through and they rewire their brain, they're like, oh my God, I'm so happy that I can finally eat less food. And they can't wrap their mind around yeah. this, is, this is the thing that's my favorite part of it. They can't wrap their mind around how they could possibly eat that much food that they were eating every single day before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, it's, it doesn't make any sense to them how they could possibly do that so it's powerful. So yeah. that brings a sense of lightness.
2: Right.
1: Like they start to feel light. Then we use that to for the third brain flip which is exercise. Although we don't start with exercise, it's the third brain flip is to basically create another type of tool that gets them excited and then they're using that with exercise. What it does is it turns exercise into something that used to be frustrating and heavy into like feeling like they're in recess in school again. Like they can't wait to get outside to be able to to go exercise. In In short, my days are filled with people who ask me, to please let them stop eating junk food like you did, Allison. You asked me yeah. to stop eating. And I say, no, you got to keep going until you have the brain flip. <laughs> and then other people that say, please let me do more exercise. And I'm like, no, you can only do five minutes or whatever, wherever we are at that point.
0: Yeah. So, Susie, imagine this. Doesn't this go against everything you've ever heard? I hire a weight loss consultant. He tells me, stop exercising and go buy a bunch of junk food. <laughs> <laughs> But it
2: works, okay? So why does it work?
1: Okay, so how about if we just get into the fundamentals of like what it, the brain flip, like how the whole thing works, okay? Okay, let's get into yes.
2: the fundamentals about how the brain flip works.
1: All right, so before we can get into the brain flip, we need to talk about the brain, all right? Okay. Because there's something very important that most people, that pretty much everyone doesn't understand, okay? There's sort of like two aspects of the brain, the one aspect is the thinking brain, and we're all very aware of that. We're all very aware of like our thinking brain is the aspect that is focused on fixing problems and solving things to like try to improve our life in some way. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: so we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the subconscious.
1: No, we're not. Uh, we're not going to talk sorry? about the subconscious. All right, all right. I'll I'll
0: see, interru- that's what I said. I'm going to stop I- interrupting you then.
1: No, no, it's okay.
0: (laughs) But this is why I'm so glad you're here because this is exactly what I thought the first time I talked to David. I'm like, okay, we're going to work on the subconscious, but David has a whole new concept that just blows your mind. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it's really hard to wrap around. So it's going to be, we're going to sort of take it nice and slow. So it's understandable for your audience. So the thinking brain, we know how that works. Okay. Like we're basically trying it's its function is to improve our life that's why it's focused on like solving problems and fixing things and stuff like that so that it can take whatever challenges we're dealing with and improve them so that like life can be happier or more enjoyable or something like that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in that context we know like th- in our thinking brain we know that these foods that we have a craving for are a problem They they cause weight gain They cause us to beat ourselves up Like a negative self-esteem Low confidence Like all this kind of stuff So the thinking brain's goal Is to get rid of the cravings Right? Mm-hmm. Now the sensory brain That's the other aspect Okay? So we've got the thinking brain That we all know about The sensory brain Is quite a bit different And the reason it's different Is because it's the opposite Of the thinking brain It has no capacity to think It doesn't have thoughts of its own, doesn't have any capacity to have thoughts, and it's not aware of the thoughts that your thinking brain is having right now.
0: It has no judgment either way.
1: Right. No judgment. The only way that it functions is through your five physical senses. So it can pick up what you're visually seeing, but it has no idea what it is that you're actually seeing. It can smell whatever you're, it can sense smell but has no concept of what it's smelling because there's no concepts in the sensory brain. You understand what I'm saying? It can taste the food you're eating, but it has no concept that what it's tasting is food. And it has no concept of what it actually is that you're tasting. It can sense touch, but it doesn't know what it's touching. All right. So it can do all these things, hearing, same thing. It can hear all these different voices, sounds, but it has no idea what those are. It can't make distinctions of identity because that is the job of the thinking brain. Okay. So mm-hmm. think of it like sort of like an amoeba. Okay. You have all these physical senses. You're, it's completely aware of what you're experiencing physically, but it has no idea of what it is that you're actually experiencing. Okay. Okay. Now, it has a function just like your thinking brain does. Your thinking brain's function is to improve your life in some way or another. That's why it's trying to fix things to make life more enjoyable. Your sensory brain's role is to keep you safe. That's the only thing it's built to do. But because it doesn't have any capacity to think, the way that it does that is through creating familiar associations. So let me explain what I mean by that. We've all heard of like Pavlov and his experiments with dogs. Right, mm-hmm. where he would ring the bell and give the dogs food over and over and over again. And eventually what happened is that the dogs would link the two together, the ringing of the bell and the eating of the food, where eventually he could just ring the bell and the dogs would start salivating, even if there wasn't food there, because it was like wired into their brain, right?
0: Right, right.
1: Well, that's exactly what happens. That's what the sensory brain does. So Susie, like, let's say that when you were a kid, you, were, you met some guy and you fell in love with him and you happened to be at a dance and you were hearing this song, when you guys had your first kiss, right? Aww. But then but then a few months later, so then you hear that song and it's like it brings out that, yeah, it brings out that aw, like you just love that song, right? <laughs> but then guess what happens when you break when he breaks up with you because he's like seeing your girlfriend, right?
2: Bastard. Whenever
1: you hear that song, whenever you hear that song, <laughs> what happens?
0: I get angry. You hate it.
1: Right. Like you hate the song now, right? Yeah. That's what a brain flip is. It's, it's like that song. The reason that you, that you instinctively went, Oh, is because you link it with that guy and you're not even aware of it because it's a physical sensation. You're hearing audio and you're also feeling the kiss and the, the feeling of hugging and all that kind of stuff. You're yeah. feeling all these physical sensations and your sensory brain links them together. Okay. Now, your thinking brain has absolutely no idea whatsoever that your sensory brain is connecting these two things. That's why later on when you hear the song... And you feel upset. You're like, oh, man, I didn't realize that I even had an attachment to that song. Like it's we're unaware of it when that occurs.
2: Let me ask you a quick question. And you have to forgive me because I've always been fascinated about psychology and I studied it in college. So when you say sensory brain, is that something that you're coining or is that something you you because I don't know what part of the like there's different parts of the brain that do different processes. So what are you specifically referring to when you say sensory brains? I've never heard someone uh, quote it in that way.
1: It's a term that I've created okay, for, <laughs> to help. Yeah, to help to bring understanding to the situation. Yeah. Basically, to give you long story short, I've done years of really intense meditation where I've gone to retreats where we're meditating like nine to 12 hours a day. Like, body is inflamed and locked up, and you're, I'm just like working on my practice, like insanely driven, one pointed. Driven toward enlightenment, basically. Like those are the kinds of, of things I've done. So I've been able to understand ways that the brain works. The first time I really ever had that occur was when I was able to work. I was able to stay with my meditation practice throughout all the phases of sleep. Like I stayed on, it's called a koan in Zen Buddhism. Um, it's like, what's the sound of one hand clapping? That's a common one. Like you can't answer it unless you have a genuine light enlightenment experience. So the first time I had, I was able to stick with my koan through sleep, all the phases of sleep. I started to understand some of these kinds of aspects of how the brain works, but it's not stuff that like people have under, an understanding of because it's so simple that the complexity of what we study is past it's it's under that radar.
2: Yeah, cuz when you were describing the example of that bastard that cheated on me in middle school or whatever, <laughs> Right. I, I totally understood that. And I was like, I get that. I, I agree with you there. But when you talk about sensory brain and thinking brain, it's like there's the frontal cortex. And so in, in terms of, yeah, so I totally, okay, that makes much more sense. now. I'm Now I'm back with you. I get it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So don't even think of the thinking brain as like your physical brain, like the sensory brain. I mean, don't think of it in terms of your physical brain. Just think of it in terms of the function that your brain has. Your brain has a thinking function. And it has a sensory function, right? That's what I mean by the sensory brain. So there's an aspect that's sensory, and that's the part that links these things together, but it has no capacity to think about what it's linking together.
2: How is that not the subconscious?
1: Because your subconscious still has to do with thought, but it's just thought that you're not aware of. So it might be memories that are... All right, so let me give you an example, another example, okay? When I first started doing like really intense meditations... I remembered my brother coming home from the hospital when he was born and I was a year old. Okay. Mm. Now I didn't remember this most of my life, but I remembered it very clearly. I can remember it now very clearly. Now, the reason I can remember that far back is because when we're actually one year old, we're more in like the fundamental, more of a unified mind. Our mind hasn't become fragmented in all these different directions with creating an identity for ourselves in all the different ways that we do. Okay. Well, when you get deep into meditation where you're like that fragmentation is starting to become unified, there's the capacity. It doesn't mean it happens for everyone, but it did happen for me that I could remember things like that because my fundamental mind that I was moving toward in meditation was on a sort of like a similar vibrational frequency as those memories. So I had the access to be able to remember them.
0: And at that point, we are not making judgments. We are just aware. When you're one years old, you don't even have the capacity to make judgments of anything.
1: Well, you do have some. I mean, I remember I was not happy at all that my brother was coming home. Like I was. <laughs> I know I wasn't was, either
2: when mine came home. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a sad memory. I'm the oldest of four. Um, He was the next one in line. And I was like, I was a mama's boy. I was always around my mom. And yeah, I was not happy. Like, so no, we are, we are capable of making judgments, but the judgments are more rudimentary. They're not so complex. And like, with a bunch of baggage around it. Well, but they're also
2: just like survival instincts and they also, you know what I mean? Like he's threatening your survival. He's taking away your primary. I'm assuming your mom was your primary caregiver. At least mine was when my brother came home. I was like, he's threatening my time with my mama, even though I don't need her as much as I used to. Um, But they also say that like, I don't know how much of this is true, but that when the, when baby's brains are forming, they don't yet have all of the nerve. We, when we learn and we have experiences, we create more neural connections And that the brain is still learning and still building. And so that they say that's why we don't remember things, but that you can go back into meditations or regressions, you know, where you can tap into what your body saw or felt or heard or, you know, things like that. Um, It's just all of it's So fascinating to me. So absolutely. Yeah.
0: One thing that really stuck with me that you talked about, David, that struck a chord when we were first starting was the fact that we make these associations often in childhood with something of comfort of junk food. Can you talk a little bit about that? You scrape your knee, your mama loves you, and she gives you the ice cream. And that starts something that we have no memory of recognizing in adulthood.
1: Right. Well, that's the natural part of what we're going into next, right? So, we have the sensory brain that makes these connections and the thinking brain is not even aware of it. An example is just like what you talked about, Allison. So, the first client I ever took through a cravings brain flip, her name is Christine, and um, or her name is Christine. She is still alive and uh, <laughs> she she works with me still. And um, she had cravings for ice cream, right? And so, as we started working on the brain flip, she realized that a lot of times when people start working on these brain flips, they have memories that start coming up that they forgot like completely forgot about and she was on the phone with me this one time in one of our meetings and she was like oh my god i had this memory and i can't believe like i i forgot about it my whole life until now and i remember scraping my knee and my mom sat me down and she started bandaging me but she gave me ice cream at the same time she was doing it so like what she was experiencing there was her knee physically feeling better So that's a physical touch sensation. And she's also experiencing taste with the ice cream. So the ice cream and the touch, the taste and the touch are getting linked together. And obviously it has to happen consistently for this linking to occur. And it did like her mom, whenever she'd get upset, her coping mechanism, her way of helping her to cope was to give her junk food while she was helping her to feel better. So in her thinking brain, in her thinking brain, she was aware that her mom, like talking with her, or bandaging her, like she knew that that was the thing that was really making her feel better. But the sensory brain doesn't know that because it doesn't know anything. All that it could do was link the taste to the physical sensation of feeling better. And so it created a program that said that ice cream equals feeling better.
0: Yes. And this is my story too. It's so similar. I love this stuff. Um, you yeah. know
1: It's pretty my, much like that for everybody.
0: Yeah, and you just yeah. you either recognize it or you don't. And even if you can consciously recognize it, it doesn't mean that you know how to flip it because I've been able to consciously recognize my issue for years, but it doesn't mean I've been able to stop it until I flipped the brain with you. So like my story is similar. It's like my mom and I would bond over our Ice cream, our Entenmann's donuts and things like that. That was always our nightly ritual. Um, We always oh Entenmann's. I know Entenmann's. Yeah, it's like a good (laughs) '80s '90s reference, right? That's East coast Um, thing too. That's not on the west coast. It's totally east coast. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm from Philadelphia, so I know Entenmann's. I used to have that too.
0: You got it. You know what I'm talking about. So it's like then even I'm here. I am now. You know, plant based eating, soups, salads, and smoothies all day, getting as healthy as possible, but still holding on to that sugar addiction and. Part of it that I can clearly recognize is the connection to my mom, who's no longer with us. Make I'm sad about that, so when I get sad, I turn to the junk food because, in my you know sensory brain, that brings me comfort. Does it bring my mom back? No. Would journaling or meditating bring just as much love? to me and comfort in that moment? Yes. But is it easier to go to junk food? Yes. And so I can recognize that about myself, but it wasn't until I did the flip with David that he's going to talk about the process that everything actually shifted because I can't remember a time in my adult life where I have gone for over a month without having a dessert, even if it's a vegan dessert, right? I cannot remember a time until this last month. That's how effective this is.
1: Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is like, even when you know, like, even if you know the root, like if you know, okay, so I formed this ice cream addiction back with my mom when we were connecting. So that is a little different than the other one. The other one was like, she was hurt Mm -hmm. in some way. She was upset and her mom would soothe her. And give her ice cream at the same time. With you, it was a connection. Maybe you, you like you didn't like school much. Like for me, I didn't like school much. Mm-hmm. So when I'd come home at night, like our connection was having ice cream while we watched a movie or something like that. So I developed a sweet tooth. I I've done my own brain flip on ice cream on myself, you know. Right. So like, yeah, we all have these kinds of things that can occur. Overeating is different. We'll get into that later. Okay. Um, overeating is different. Is typically negative, but cravings are positive. We link a positive feeling to an unhealthy food in some form or another. And here's the thing about it. Okay. Here's the negative and the positive. The negative is that even if you understand that it was because it happened with your mom, that still doesn't solve it Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: that's in your thinking brain that you're aware of that. The problem is in your, in your thinking brain, like you're not doing anything wrong in the way you're thinking, That stops you from having cravings the cravings have nothing to do with your value as a person or what your your abilities within your own cognitive brain it has nothing at all to do with that all it is is a sensory brain connection that says that ice cream equals feeling good it is literally that simple that's why most people don't see it because it's not complex
0: and it's also why willpower is not usually effective
1: it's never effective in that way. <laughs>
0: okay, we'll let you. Yeah, <laughs> e-
1: listen, listen. Even if a person is able to use willpower and stop something for good, they will create that imbalance in some other area of their life for sure.
0: Oh, okay, that's a really good point. Okay.
1: Yeah, because imbalances can't be like created or destroyed. They can only be manipulated. In that sense, like if you're not getting to the root of it, the the imbalance just goes to some other area. What you need to do is you need to transform it. So that it becomes an asset rather than a liability. Like cravings are a liability for people until they brain flip it. Now, like for you, Allison, now you've brain flipped it. Now it's an asset. Now you can like get on your podcast whenever you want and talk about, hey, you know what? I used to have cravings. I had them for many, many years. Now I don't. Now you can inspire people with that. That's what a brain flip does, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, thank you. Like, this is why I do this, you know, Food Heals podcast. I'm learning along with everyone else. I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. I know what I've been able to overcome. And this is the one that has been with me as long as I can remember. And the fact that I have now flipped this is absolutely phenomenal. I can't get over it. But let's go into can we talk about the pain tools?
1: So that is how we solve this issue. I just
0: have to say, she said that so sweetly.
2: Like, can we talk about the pain tools?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It's okay. Yes. Okay. So the pain tool is basically how you're going to do the brain flip, and it's counterintuitive to what you may have heard. Like I'm speaking from my experience working with you, David. And so when normally we're working with willpower and slowly giving things up or replacements, you know, things like that, which I think, uh, you know, they have their place. They can work temporarily. But if you want a permanent change, I have never had a permanent change until I did the pain tools, and it's going to be painful for a temporary amount of time. And then you're going to be in bliss because you're going to be like, oh, I'm done. And it's worth every moment of that pain. It's not as bad as I may be making it seem. But David, please tell us about the pain tools. Oh, it
1: can be it can be horrendous. I I, it's it's not. Yeah, it's it's not. (laughs) Listen, Susie, it's not uncommon for people to tell me that they hate me when they're working on their brain flip on the cravings Uh, brain flip. But anyone who's told me they hate me in the middle of it tells me they love me at the end of it so it's like it's it's like you you literally do brain flip in the opposite direction so okay so Susie, so like we were talking about the real gist of this problem is that ice cream equals safe in the sensory brain right so what we do is we create a pain tool that says that ice cream does not equal safe that it equals pain yeah Okay, so the way that I do that is I have people create an audio recording that I take them through a very specific type of psychological journey that like increases in pain the further into it they listen. And it has to do with like how their life is going to go if they never solve this problem, right? And they listen to it while they're eating whatever junk food or craving they have, okay? And at the end, I have them answer a question and then they get on like with my coaching, I, I coach them through it. And I listen to like how they answer their question and how it went. And basically what I'm doing is I'm, it's sort of difficult to explain on a, an interview, but what I'm doing is their goal is to listen to that audio and like live it. Like imagine it so deeply that they're actually living it and it's a horrible experience, okay, at first. And it makes the the whole process very, very thoroughly unenjoyable. But what happens is that by doing that, that pain tool plants a seed in the sensory brain. And it's a small seed at first, but it's a seed that says that ice cream does not equal safe. It does equals or does not equal enjoyment or connection or whatever the the program is. Okay, it it equals the opposite. And even though it's small, it's just uh, ever so slightly small. What it does is it ever so slightly starts to decrease the cravings. And when that happens, what it does is that plants a seed on the upside in the pain tool, where it makes the pain tool start to become less painful. Because the pain tool can only come to fruition if the cravings are there. But when they start to become free of the cravings, the pain can't be there anymore. So basically what happens is that they keep using this pain tool. And in the beginning, it's horrendous. It's like horrible. And they all they want to do is stop and they get distracted like the the taste of the food distracts them. Their mind comes up with these memories to try to distract them from listening to that audio. And my job is to get them to listen to the audio even more intensely each time they do it. And what ends up happening is that as each seed starts to grow in both brains, they eventually get to the point where the old brain, the the like the like new program is sort of like the same size as the old one. And at that point, they're like, eh, Junk food, I could take it or leave it. At this point, it's a coin toss. Like they're sort of indifferent. They went through hell to get to that point.
0: So based on my experience, I'll share that my pain tool, it was... A recording that I would listen to and I would eat what I was craving the most. So for me, David and I determined that it was this like luscious vegan cake that I love from Bristol Farms with like chocolate frosting and raspberries in the middle. And then, um, this, um, ice cream milkshake, Oreo ice cream milkshake that I get from this place down the street for me. And those are both things that I would turn to when I was feeling, sad or down or had a long day, any excuse, I would turn to it. And so instead of giving them up right away, I was literally eating them every day, usually at night, sometimes twice a day when I could fit it in. I couldn't always, but the more you do it, the faster you can flip, the slower you do it, the slower you flip. I did a little bit more slowly because I was just over scheduled. And I would listen to the recording of my worst possible scenario and all of my worst nightmares coming true. And so what it did was it flipped my brain to no longer associate those two items with comfort, but instead to associate them with Pain, suffering, my worst nightmare, you know, losing my husband, losing my business, losing my relationships, losing my, you know, influence as I'm food heals. I can't be um, a person with addictions who weighs 500 pounds and preach health. I have to be healthy. And so when I was imagining myself losing everything, it flipped whatever that brain is that, you know, used to associate with comfort was now associating with horror. And I got to the place of indifference. Now I am not yet at the place where I can eat a piece of chocolate without being triggered because I haven't tried it yet. Cause I don't want to, I am still in the place of I'm avoiding, but I have no cravings and no, Oh, I must have that. So I've been to holiday parties. I got through Halloween, Halloween candy all around me. Didn't have a single bit. My husband's eating dessert in front of me. Haven't had a bite where before I would text him and go, what? babe, what, what chocolate are you bringing me tonight? And if I didn't text him, he would text me and go, what do you want me to bring you tonight? Like it was a serious addiction and I've been free of that for over a month.
1: Yeah. It's powerful. It's amazing. It definitely is powerful. So Allison, sort just so people understand, like I, when I take people through this brain flip, they get to this point of indifference, right? And then at that point I take them through what I call a mastery phase and I'm not going to get too in detail because it's just like getting into the weeds and it's, it's a lot of complexity. But basically, I'm having them still listen to the audio without the junk food. And they're doing like some exercises with the audio itself to like work through any little areas of the pain tool that are actually still painful. So yeah. basically, at the end of the brain flip, when you've completely mastered cravings, what happens is that your sensory brain is completely reprogrammed and so, there's no possibility of a craving. And at the same time, the pain tool is 100% not painful. Yeah. At that point, you're completely done with the first brain flip. Yeah. And uh, and and here's the, here's the great thing about this, okay? The sensory brain where we're having the brain flip in, because it has no capacity to think, it doesn't have any concept of time because time is a construct of the thinking mind, Mm -hmm. right? We can only gauge time with our thinking mind. If we're unconscious or if we're in a coma, time doesn't exist, okay? We're not aware of it. So what that means is that these programs that are in the sensory brain, they could be there for decades. I mean, I had a woman who was drinking, I'm not joking, okay? She was drinking like eight to 10 Cokes, Coca-Colas every single day. Oh, since 1988. Oh my, oh my God. God. Okay. So, like basically 30 years of drinking eight to 10 sodas every single day. We brain flipped in five days, and she's never had a soda since then.
0: That is uh,
2: how I mean, much that's soda huge. was she drinking during the brain flip?
1: <laughs> she, she, she couldn't drink as much. She couldn't drink that much with the pain tool. She was drinking like maybe one soda, but she so wanted to not drink it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens is um, in my experience anyway, David, it's like you start doing it, you're gung ho about it. And the at first I will say for me, the ice cream and cake still tasted good. And it was kind of like this weird thing where I was like, it tastes good, but I'm doing this weird thing about how horrible it is. And then as I went on, I did not want anything at all like i didn't want it near me because i knew i was going to have to do the pain tool but you forced me through it and i think that's when and correct me if i'm wrong when the brain flip truly starts to happen
1: yeah i mean the big my job like the big thing that i do is there's two big things that i really do okay is helping people to create their tools, like not just the pain tool, but the, the vision tool at the end as well. And the centering tool in the middle, the, the not the centering tool as much, but the other two, the pain tool and the vision tool, they take a lot of like, you got to really do that precisely because it's not just a matter of like listening to something painful while you're eating. You have to do it in a specific type of psychological way where it's increasing in a certain way in pain so that it triggers your, your sensory brain to reprogram it effectively. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like giving a mixed message to kids. Like it's punishing one time and then you're not another. Like they don't learn the lesson. It's very easy for your sensory brain to not learn the lesson if that if that pain tool isn't created in the right way. So that's the first thing I do. The other big thing is guiding people through it because I'll be honest with you, I have never seen a single person like learn about this from me and actually go and do it on their own. Yeah. other than me and and that and the only reason I feel like I've been able to is because I've gotten so much guidance in the past in my meditation practice. Like that's what has allowed me. I feel like listen, I'm a weight loss expert when I'm working with people though. I am more like a meditation teacher. I know it sounds really strange, but like that's actually what's going on is I'm listening to what their experience is and I'm finding out what the distractions and I point out like, listen, your sensory brain is influencing your thinking brain to pop in these memories like these that are a distraction. So it's important. They're good insights to have now, but when it happens again, you'll know it's a distraction and you dive even further into your audio. So it really is like a meditation practice, but it works like cravings are gone at the end of it. When people first start with me, they're like frantic. Like, I need to get rid of these cravings. I've, the people I work with have tried program after program for decades yeah. and nothing yeah. has ever worked. And they've been stuck for so long and they've just struggled and feel like, oh, I'm just not supposed to do this. Like, those are the people. I don't work with people who have a positive attitude. I work with people <laughs> who have a negative attitude. And I love when people doubt it because you know what? This works 100%. I've never had someone go through this and not have a brain flip. It works every single time. And that's one of the things I just tell people, like, listen, when you know the truth, it will never let you down. But that's the key is to actually know the truth. This is the truth. This will work because it works every time. And, And that's why I love when I have people that, like, doubt, like, when they doubt me, like, whatever. It doesn't matter when they have low confidence. Like, I can't do this. Your confidence means nothing to the sensory brain. You're gonna, we're going to brain flip your brain whether you have confidence or not because your confidence has to do with your thinking brain. That's not the area where we're dealing with. We're dealing with an area that has nothing to do with your personality at all, Yeah, with your character. It just has to do with that part of your brain that is like a computer program. A computer program can run for millions of years. You go in and change the coding, bam, you got a new program instantly. It doesn't ever go back. That's what a brain flip is.
2: We don't understand everything about our own brains. The brain, deep space, and deep ocean are the last three unknown frontiers. And while we're learning more and more, our brains are so fascinating that result in our behaviors, whether that be addictions or our personalities, there's so much going on that we don't understand. So if there's um, destructive behavior in terms of addictions or overeating or eating the wrong foods, that you can get in there and you've found a technique, whether, you know, Whatever we want to call it, like, you know, whether it doesn't fit or the, the sensory brain part or whether it came from your meditation or not, what matters is if it works. Right. And um I could absolutely see this working. I was just envisioning, you know, I was envisioning Allie, actually, as you were describing it. I'm like, I'm envisioning her like, okay, she's doing this and she's listening to this tape because I've done – um hypnotherapy. I've done work on my own subconscious. I'm just fascinated by the brain itself and about psychology. So that's why I was just asking the questions, but I could absolutely see this working.
1: Yeah. I mean, the subconscious, basically, the way that I look at the subconscious is that the sensory brain, so it it works instinctively to keep you safe. So if there's a threat, if something is unfamiliar or unknown, it's, a, it has like alarm bells that go off and that influences the thinking brain, but it might do it on a level that you're not actually thinking. To me, like your thinking brain involves both your conscious and your subconscious. I include both of those in your thinking brain, but it's sort of like a gradient from your sensory brain into that. So we're getting more complex than I would normally ever get.
2: Yeah. And it's just, a, it's just a, a different viewpoint of looking at the mind as an entirety. Right as a whole because you because it works as a whole but we break it down to try to understand it into pieces
1: and you know the thing is like i actually have gone about this the way i've been able to do this is through exactly what you just talked about like my approach has always been what works like how can i improve what i'm doing until i get like to 100% you know Now I'm actually at a point where I am like 100% of my clients have success with what I do. Now I'm working on streamlining it and like making it faster, like each different segment that I work on. The Cravings Brain Flip used to take me, when I first like really discovered it and really started having people create a tool around it, it was taking me about three weeks. And then it got down to about, now it's down to about like, five to seven days to be in it. And then like about 10 days to master it.
0: And I want to go back to a few things. Um, The first thing I want to go back to is when you were saying earlier that you really have to do this guided and on the food heals podcast, we are all about empowering everyone to take their health into their own hands and give them as many tips and tricks and tools as they can to do on their own. But this is something I never could have done without you because I didn't know what I was doing and I could not have created a pain tool that got progressively worse the way that it did. And I would talk to you every day as I was doing this. And so you were coaching me through it. So this isn't really something that you can do on your own yet. Maybe one day you'll create a program where they can, but right now this is something where you have to work with David or else I, I can't you know say that it will work.
1: I think that there'll be a time on on the planet when it is easier to do this on our own, but it'll be like when a lot of people have gone through it. And so people, cause I'll just tell you right now, like my goal, my end goal is to brain flip the planet is to brain flip the weight loss epidemic. Like I'm, I am 43 years old. My daughter is three years old. When my mm-hmm. daughter is my age, obesity will be a rarity or it will not exist unless I die young. This is not a joke. Like I am completely serious my business is being created in the same way that I bring people through brain flips. My, my company is going, my organization is going to brain flip societal obesity in the same way that an individual brain flips their own obesity or being overweight. It's the exact same process. My program is, my, is the beginning phase of my own vision tool, which we use in the third brain flip.
0: Okay. So I love your mission and your vision. Thank you so much for doing this for us, for our listeners and for the world. Can you now um, talk a little bit about the phase two and three, which I personally haven't done yet. So I'm super excited. Food Heals Nation, I will Report back when I'm done, but I wanted to go ahead and have David on because of the success that I've had just working in the first (laughs) third and really kicking those sugar habits. But um, can you tell us about phases two and three of the Brain Flip, David? And get a little bit more in depth. Sure.
1: So phase two is overeating. Okay, and so overeating is is a very very different kind of challenge from cravings. And anyone who deals with overeating knows this because with cravings the challenge is more about the taste of the food in your mouth. It's like the type of food you're eating, whereas overeating is more about the fullness of the food in your belly, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the issue with overeating is one where fullness equals safe, okay? So whereas with cravings, it's like an unhealthy food is linked with a positive feeling In overeating, it's the feeling of fullness itself is something that's desirable or safe to do to the sensory brain. So let me give you an example because I know Susie, you you like examples for the psychological component. Let's say that another example, like let's say that when I was a kid, I was sitting at the dinner table and I was done eating and I wanted to get down, but my dad says that I can't get down because I still have food on my plate and if I don't eat it all, I'll be in trouble. Okay, So what ends up happening is I end up forcing myself to eat this food that I don't really want to eat so that I'll be safe from punishment, Okay, which means that eating to fullness equals safe. And if this happens over and over and over again, like in Pavlov's dogs, I'm going to link the two together and form a, a program that says that eating to, f- to be overly full equals safe. And so I'll just start doing that regularly and years later I can have a full-blown like overeating addiction and have no idea in my thinking brain why I can't solve it because I don't want to do it but for some reason or other I do it and it's because the sensory brain links it to safety okay that makes sense all right so what we want to do there is same thing we want to create a different kind of program that says that fullness does not equal safe that satisfied equals safe and I define satisfaction of a meal In three ways Number one It's enjoyable Like you have to actually Like the food that you're eating It has to taste good to you Number two You feel good Like you're not eating so much That you feel like a dead weight Or sluggish Or heavy Or tired afterwards Okay You have to actually feel good With your meal But then thirdly It has to also sustain you Until the next meal If you eat too little Where you're starving soon after That's not going to work either So it's got to be enjoyable It's got to make you feel good And it has to be sustainable So what I have people do first with the second brain flip, with overeating brain flip, is I have them create a centering tool where they ask themselves three questions on each of those levels of satisfaction. Like, is this food enjoyable? Is this food making me feel good? Is this food sustaining? Will this this amount that I've eaten sustain me until the next meal? And they're going to ask these questions in an audio recording again with about five seconds in between each one over and over in rotation for about five minutes ending on the third question. So that's the centering tool. And then... What we're going to have them do, that's all they have to do to create, that's all that they have to create for the second brain flip, all right? So then what we're going to do then is we're going to have them prepare the same amount of food that they would normally eat in a meal, okay? And they're going to put it on two different plates, and they're going to do two very different things with these plates. With the first plate, they're going to eat it while listening to the centering tool, which is going to help them to start to become more aware of when they're satisfied. And when we have an issue with overeating, That's difficult to know at first. So that first plate is hard to know when we're satisfied because when we have an issue with overeating, we typically eat past the point of satisfaction to the point of fullness. Okay? So the centering tool is going to plant a seed in that first plate that helps us to become more and more aware of when we're satisfied. Because Mm -hmm. all we got to do to become more aware of being satisfied is focus on being satisfied. And if we ask those questions and we're answering them in the five-second interval before the next question, then we'll start to be, we will start, any, anyone, it doesn't matter if we're 180 pounds or we're 380 pounds, we can become more aware of it if we're focused on it over and over and over again. Whatever we focus on gets stronger, okay? When a person says, oh, I'm too overweight, I can't be aware of what I'm eating, that's not true. The reason that they're not aware of it is because they believe that they can't be aware of it. They can't be aware of it. They just need to create a tool that they can use to help them to do it. Okay? So that's what they do with the first plate. And when they've gotten to the point where they're going to be sustained, they stop eating and they turn off the audio. And if there's any food left over on the plate, they'll transfer it to the second plate. Now, with the second plate, they're going to use their pain tool. Okay? And so with the with that one, where fullness equals safe, the pain tool is going to plan a seed that says the fullness does not equal safe.
0: Is it the same pain tool? Because I'm not, I haven't done this part yet. Is it at the same pain tool that you use to first um, work on the cravings? Or is it a different pain tool because that's a different association? Can you talk about that?
1: No, it is the same pain tool. And if you remember when we created your pain tool, we didn't, you know, that you did the practice with like ice cream and that cake, right? Yep. But there's nowhere in the pain tool where we mention them.
0: Nope, not at all. It's just if I keep doing this, all these things will happen. And it's my worst case scenario. It's all my worst fears have come true. I've lost everything.
1: So it's like, if I keep doing this, this this could be different things. We create one pain tool and then that actually links in with you on a on a sensory brain level. So as soon as you start using it, your sensory brain knows what you're doing with it now. So yeah. like that's why an overeating brain flip takes a shorter period of time because your sensory brain is already programmed with that pain tool and it happens faster. Overeating brain flips can happen and I've seen it happen in as short of a time as three days, but the average is five to seven days, whereas cravings is six to 10 days. Okay. And um, let me
0: just, let's just like, oh my gosh. Do you know how many, how long people have been trying to stop overeating, to stop their cravings, to stop their addictions? And the fact that this can change in in a week or less, that is incredible. So you may have to, if you're going to do this, if you're going to commit, you may have to eat some meals alone. You may have to not eat with your family or not eat in front of the TV or however you typically eat in order to make this change, but it's going to change your whole life. So it's like, Five to seven days. That's I, I. I can't even express how incredible that is.
1: Well, that that's if they do the first craving. If they have, listen, not everyone that comes into my program has all three brain flips because some people come in and they don't have any cravings. They don't have a sweet tooth. They don't have any of that stuff. They just have. That would be comp-
0: Susie. So Susie is not like addicted to sugar like I am.
1: It's just like some people just have compulsive overeating, so like they would go right to the second brain flip and for those people it usually takes a little bit longer than if they did the first brain flip the cravings brain flip first other people have cravings like you Allison but overeating like you you might do it here and there at times but it's not like a real big issue in your life you, you don't have a lot of weight to lose overeating typically leads to more weight gain than cravings yeah. does yeah. because you're actually physically eating more food Right. So with you, you're not going to do this, this practice in the same way that like someone who has issues with overeating all the time. To like every single day, right?
0: No, I know. I'm just saying to anyone who d- maybe listening who does feel that they have this issue. It's like this is something that you now have the tools that you can change this. And I just think it's so exciting because I think oh, for yeah. so long we have been and I'm I'm guilty of this too like looking at what's the latest diet? What's the latest buzzword? What's the latest thing? And and maybe, you know, I'm going to figure it out this time. It's going to be different. This time it's going to be different. And this time it really is going to be different. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you know, the the interesting th- thing too, is like, when uh, I talk with health professionals and stuff, and they're like, have you gone to this convention? Have you gone to this fair? And like, I'll be honest with you, I've never ever gone to any convention or fair or anything like I don't study the wellness industry at all. Yeah. Because like, for the most part, with where I am and my level of understanding, most of that stuff would just lead me astray. And it wouldn't make any sense. With what I'm doing like I'm sort of a think tank type of person I like to like huddle in and really like look at and meditate and like get clearer and inspired on what it is that my objective is and then just like let it flow out of me and if I were studying a lot of stuff I actually feel like I wouldn't have been able to create what I've created through that. I hear you. So, yeah, it's sort of interesting. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying that those things are bad. I think it's great to like exchange ideas and stuff like that. But that just hasn't been my path with with creating what I've created.
0: Okay. So, you were saying brain flip two. Let's go back.
1: The centering tool that we create in that one, that might sound to people like it's monotonous to hear the same three... questions over and over but you got to understand that after you go through the first brain flip where you're not dealing with stress with stimulating distractions you're now dealing with it with the opposite with centering awareness it's much easier to use that centering tool so Mm -hmm. like if anyone's listening to this like oh i don't want to listen to three questions over and over you will after the th- first brain flip, okay? So then what we do with that, after they've like the centering tool has reprogrammed the first portion where like at, at the end of the brain flip, they are super, super aware of exactly how much food they want to eat. And that second plate, like they don't even want to think about eating that second plate. Like it's totally repulsive to them, right? And mm-hmm. when it's at that point where it's that bad, then I let them drop the p- that plate And now they're instantly making like a half or a third of the food that they were eating before. And now they're just using the centering tool for like another two weeks to fine tune and make sure that like, yeah, this amount really will sustain me. Because up until that time, they're gauging it, but then they're eating the second portion. Now they're not eating it. Now that we put it to the test, like will this amount actually sustain them? And it does, like it actually works. So what ends up happening is that they instantly start to feel lighter through the second brain flip like and it's not just lighter because like yeah they're eating much less food and it's like happening instantly but they feel awesome about doing it like it doesn't feel restrictive it feels the it feels the opposite they felt restricted at the end of the brain flip when they had to eat that food and now they feel free that they can finally drop it it's literally the opposite of how most people try to overeat stop stop overeating right yeah. um so that's what ends up happening. They feel this lightness because they're eating less food, but also because like the way that they did it is so different that like now they're at a point where they're like, "You know what? I'm actually going to lose the weight now." Like uh, my life is actually they now it dawns on them that they are going to live a different kind of life for the rest of their life. And they and what happens the moment that happens, bam, they start to, to get a new sense of inspiration because they start to see expanded possibilities. Like, you know what? Maybe I, am, maybe I can do this now. Like, Maybe I can like, do that half marathon I've always wanted to be able to do and never thought I could do. Maybe I will be able to fit in that dress size. Like Now, these things that were improbable or impossible before are now very likely to occur. So that lightness, we now take into the third brain flip. All right, we need that to happen for the third brain flip to be able to start because we take that lightness and we create a vision tool, which is exactly like a pain tool, but in the opposite direction. So, whereas with the pain tool, it's escalating in pain, with the vision tool, it's escalating in excitement. It's like they're getting lighter and lighter and lighter in their body in this vision tool and they feel that lightness and they're listening to that. At first, they're listening to it just like stationary, like sitting down or laying down and they're with their eyes closed because I want them to v- listen to it and visualize it. But and they're visualizing it first person, like they're actually in their body, but the body is lighter and they're physically feeling lighter. Now, once again, if someone's listening to this right now, i would be like, oh man, it'll be hard for me to like listen to. Something like if they're, if they're 300 pounds and it'd be like their first stage is like down to 270, like, oh, maybe, or 250. Oh, that would be hard for me to imagine what it would feel like at 250. Well, after you've gone through the second brain flip and you're feeling lighter already, you're just going with the momentum of what we're already doing. So it's a different game. Like, this is why I, I say this, because when I describe these brain flips in these interviews, and I get into like what we're doing, they always seem to people like, oh, man, that would be hard for me to do. But you got to understand, you you're, you're going to be in a different place after you go through the brain flips. Your life will be fundamentally changed forever after you're free of cravings, and you're eating a half or a third of the food you were eating before you know so that lightness is easier to feel when you're at that point and so once they i have them do it for about a week or two stationary like with eyes closed so that they can really physically feel that lighter body and then i have them add in exercise and they only add in the exercise for the length of time of the paint of the vision tool for just about five minutes and i know it sounds like well that's not a lot of time like that's not going to give me a good workout It's not meant to give them a good workout. It's meant to just link exercise to that feeling of lightness, and do it over and over again, so that exercise equals lightness to the sensory brain. Then it'll start to become exciting. Like then it'll be like it'll go from exercise feeling heavy and like oh man I go I I gotta go exercise. Like I have people that are like please I need to do more exercise. Like it's like they're begging to get out to recess from school, like, please let me go out to recess. Like, that's what it ends up being like when they've done that and really like are feeling it.
0: And you remember that feeling. I think, um, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people might remember that from when you're young and you can't wait to get out of class because you've got that soccer practice or, you know, maybe you have a field day. I used to love the field days where we would race and do all of the different activities and things like that. And that as a child, you love to move. But in adulthood, you know, we have traumas, we have things happen that take us away from that physical activity. Maybe it's depression, you know, maybe there's so many things that can happen but the point is, is that our metabolism slows down too you know yeah. it's like we have these yeah.
1: well you know you, you know to be honest with you i find that and i don't i don't like talk about this a lot but i find that when i take people through these this process hormone levels you know like different kinds of like metabolism like all these things start to work themselves out um the sensory brain listen if the sensory brain feels threatened like you're you're unsafe it will do whatever it needs to do to stop you. So like if you th- if you have a, a sensory brain connection that says that ice cream equals safe, then what will happen is that when you feel stressed, the sensory brain is going to trigger a craving for ice cream. Mm-hmm. because stress equals danger. Like stress creates physical tension in the body that the sensory brain can pick up that physical tension. It registers it as unsafe because it is. Physical tension is not safe to the body. So it triggers a craving for ice cream because ice cream equals feeling better. And if I feel better, that'll relieve my stress. Now the, now, the sensory brain has no idea that maybe you're stressed because of ice cream. It doesn't know that because it has no capacity to know that. It just knows that ice cream equals feeling better. So it does, it triggers and then and then once it triggers the craving, then the sensory brain is like, oh great. I'm sorry, the thinking brain is like, oh great. Now I gotta resist the craving, which creates even more stress, which makes the sensory brain trigger an even stronger craving. And and they feed each other back and forth until it gets so big that they're like, screw it, I'm just eating the ice cream. You know, like you can't take it anymore. Like that's what the vicious cycle is, is the sensory brain and the thinking brain influencing and feeding each other back and forth. And the tension and the stress builds more and more and more and the cravings with it until they end up caving in. So the the sensory brain, even though it doesn't have the capacity to think, don't, I don't want anyone that's listening to us to undervalue its importance. It is incredibly, incredibly powerful in terms of dictating what you do in your life. If the sensory brain thinks that something is safe, is not safe, like if your sensory brain thinks that being light is not safe, it will do whatever it needs to do to stop you from being light. It doesn't matter if you're calories in, calories out, you're restricting yourself, you're losing weight, it will disrupt your metabolism, it'll slow down your metabolism, it'll disrupt your hormones, it'll do whatever it needs to do to stop you from staying light because being light is not safe.
0: It's so fascinating. And it it reminds me of something else when we, I think it was our initial call when we first talked and I told you about how I have been able to change almost everything else in my life. I'm a self-help junkie. I have given up everything that I decided to give up, kind of cold turkey with no problems, with no symptoms or anything like that. Like I've slowly, you know, throughout the years, I've given up different things that I decided were not right for my body based on my own knowledge and based on going to um, holistic doctors and nutritionists and getting my blood levels taken and figuring out my food allergies. And so I quit chicken overnight. I've quit dairy overnight, like had no problems with these things, but I had never been able to do it with sugar. And something you said to me was that I had brain flips at that time about those things without even realizing it. Right. Yeah. But it was because I believe the pain associated with those, there wasn't pain. So I was able to flip it when there's pain associated, like there is with sugar and comfort It takes a lot of effort to do the brain flip, more than just reading a book and making a decision and having willpower. And that's the difference when there's so much pain and comfort associated with something. So imagine having freedom from that. That's what I'm getting right now. That's what I'm experiencing.
1: Yeah. And you know, the great thing about it is that like when you're using these pain tools and the vision tool and all that, and you're, you're like, you're imagining Your life that way, right? And it feels bad. And a lot of people are like, well, how like, like, okay, so for the third brain flip, right? The third brain flip, the sensory brain program that we're changing is that being heavy equals being alive. Yeah, Um, that's the biggest one, like everything that I do is gearing a person toward getting ready to brain flip that one program in the sensory brain that says that being heavy equals being alive. It's not one that's formed in childhood. Like in childhood, like you could form cravings in childhood. Like a, you can form a positive feeling to a, an unhealthy food in childhood, which can create weight gain over time. Right. And you can also form a program that says like fullness equals being safe, which can also lead to weight gain. The last program that we're creating uh, that we're brain flipping isn't one that was necessarily created it wasn't created prior to being overweight. It was created through being overweight. And that last one is being heavy equals being alive. Because basically, once a person is already overweight, on a day-to-day basis, they're feeling the physical sensations of being heavy. And they're also experiencing the physical sensations of being alive. And so, the sensory brain links those two together and says that being heavy equals being alive. And the more that you it experiences it, the stronger that that program is. The the sensory brain isn't aware of time, but it does have stronger and weaker programs based on how much you're experiencing something. So that's what's happening in the brain once you're already overweight. That's the last thing that we need to brain flip. There's no longer cravings. There's no longer overeating. Now it's just the body is resisting on a level where it's just saying, just because heavy is is safe. So the vision tool creates a new program that says that being lighter equals safe, right? Because the vision tool, you're getting lighter and lighter physically in your body and you're physically feeling it within yourself, like in your imagination. And I know it's easy to be like, well, you're imagining it, you're not actually in the physical body, like a lighter body. So how could it be reprogramming the sensory brain? And that's the great, another great thing about the sensory brain is because it has no capacity to think, it has no idea that what you're imagining, whether it's real or not. Yeah. Because it takes thinking processes to make that distinction. Your sensory brain, all it knows is that you're experiencing physical sensations. That's it. Doesn't know if those physical sensations are because of something you're imagining or because of something that's real. So we can use an imaginary scenario in a tool when we create it correctly, to trigger a reprogramming in the sensory brain that says that being light equals being alive. And the great thing is that when they start doing this with exercise and it starts to reprogram exercise, so exercise becomes lighter, And that's going to only reprogram that seed in their body even more that says that lightness equals being alive. It's going to fade the old program that says that heaviness equals being alive. And to the extent that that fades, the body will start to drop weight a little bit with the amount that it fades. Okay. And what that'll do is it'll allow the person to be able to use their vision tool even with even more vividness because now the body, as it gets lighter, is getting closer to the body that they're envisioning in that vision tool which is going to excite the ex- exercise even more which is going to strengthen the new program even more it's going to weaken the old program even more when the w- weaken when that program gets weaker the body gets smaller again to adapt to the new program and the whole it's a now it's a it's a joyful cycle it's not a vicious cycle now it's a joyful cycle that they go through of going through all these things until they're at the point that the third brain flip ends when it is complete, when they reach their goal, when they reach their weight loss goal, that is when we're done with the third brain flip.
0: David, I'm so excited. And I feel like anyone listening, you can do this too. I'm only on phase one and I feel like a new person. I have told people that uh, know me very well, hey, I haven't had dessert in over a month. And they are like, You? Are you sure? It's shocking. I have made the change and it's a permanent change and I'm so empowered by it and I'm so excited. So David, where can everyone find you online, work with you in person? I know you do pre-coaching call, which I did with you and it was so valuable. So let us know all that good stuff.
1: Okay, so uh, anyone that just wants to look into what I'm doing and like you could see my webinar, that's out at empoweredhealthnow.com it's empoweredhealthnow.com okay so that's the first thing but if anyone that's listening to this wants to like actually talk with me about what i offer and like how they can do this and stuff like that you can schedule a call with me but here's the thing okay this call isn't for everyone i'm there's certain people that i'm ready to talk to and others that i can't and the people that i can talk with right now are people that are seriously seriously like struggling with weight gain, with like weight loss, okay, trying to lose weight that have tried program after program, have tried all these diets, all this exercise. They don't like exercise. They have cravings, overeating. The things that we talked about in this interview, if you're dealing with those kinds of struggles and you're like, I, you're pulling your hair out trying to figure this out, well, maybe you're not now because you got a different perspective. But if you've been in that place, you can schedule a call with me at empoweredhealthnow.com forward slash talk. Okay. So once you, all I ask is that once you schedule the call with me to talk and we'll go over like, how all this works and I'll give you more details about it and we can if if you want to look at what I have to offer we can discuss it then the only thing I ask is that if you schedule a call with me please fill out the form that comes up afterwards it'll only take you about a minute or two but it will greatly help me to like prepare for the call to be able to give you the most out of uh, out of our time together it'll be about 45 minutes to an hour that call
0: Yes. And it's a really good call because you get to basically figure out if you're a fit for David. And I feel like I almost had to convince you to work with me because look, like you have to have pain around the problem. And so I said, all right, I'm not obese at this moment. However, I have a lot of pain around this. And I know that my addiction to sugar is related to pain in my life and I wanna stop and I just wanted to stop so bad. So you help people who are very overweight, chronically having issues, but you also help people like me who just have so much pain around something that they want to stop and I feel so I, I feel freedom. I've given up the thing that for me was avoidance and comfort, right?
1: Right. Yeah, you you gave up the thing that you were chained to. Yes. That you are imprisoned by.
0: Exactly. I no longer feel chained. And that is what I wanted out of this coaching program. So thank you, David, for helping me. I know we're not even done yet because you're going to take me through the next couple of brain flips and we don't even know what's going to happen. So Food Heals Nation, I will report back. David, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been an honor to talk with both of you. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: All right, Food Heals Nation, hope you enjoyed our interview with David. Want to let you know if you're listening right now and you decide to work with David and you're really ready to kick your addiction in 2019 just like I did, now is the time. And when you book with David, I have a free gift for you. I'm going to give you my 2019 detox digital course, where I teach you the six day detox protocol that I swear by in an educational and inspiring video training. I'll give you the how to's, the shopping list, the schedule, everything you need to cleanse your body of those built up toxins. And you're going to feel absolutely healthy, happy, and hot. You're just going to feel so much better when you get the sludge out. Heals Nation. It's a great thing to do in 2019. The video course is absolutely my gift to you. If you sign up to work with David, look, cleanses have changed my body. David helped me curb my addictions. And between the two of these, you will be well on your way to perfect health. So set up a call with David right now at empoweredhealthnow.com slash talk. See you next time. Food Heals Nation.